Age to Practice, applying educational reading in the classroom. Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. From Page to Practice is a podcast focusing on the application of educational reading in the classroom. Each episode features one book or article, my reflections and the thoughts of my guests on its use and impact in the classroom. Some episodes may also feature an introduction from the author. Hi and welcome to Series 2, Episode 13 of From Page to Practice. Since the last episode, I've been informed that I've been selected by Learning Ladders as one of their best education podcasts of 2021. The list of podcasts they've selected is amazing and I shall try and remember to put the link in today's notes. A big thank you to them, but of course a huge thank you to those of you who listen, without whom I would have stopped producing this podcast quite some time ago. Before we start on today's book, just a quick reminder of what's coming up, because I really need to hear from you. Next is John Tate's Teaching Rebooted, then Benny Curra's Diversity in Schools, Jennifer Webb's Teach Like a Writer, Fear is the Mind Killer by James Mannion and Kate McAllister, Women Ed Being 10% Braver, and finally the Early Career Framework Handbook by the Chartered College of Teaching. I'm also considering making this into a special and pairing it with Hailey Q's Mentoring in Schools. I also guess there's a Chartered College impact due in there somewhere too. So there's a lot coming up over the summer term. Please do get in touch if you're interested in contributing your thoughts. From page to practice, absolutely literally could not be in existence without you. Now we've talked about everything from now until the end of July. Let's hear from Kat Howard and Claire Hill about their book, Symbiosis. Kat and I have been asked to talk a little bit about the themes and ideas in our book, Symbiosis, the Curriculum in the Classroom. We want to provide a guide for anyone engaged in curricular development, whether as senior leader or subject leader or classroom teacher, but in a way that paid service to and was sensitive to the complexities and nuances of our subjects, whilst offering effective models for this work. Whilst there has been a welcome focus on curriculum and a wealth of knowledge shared around curriculum theory, this can sometimes seem detached from the everyday work of schools and teachers. We wanted to help bridge that gap by talking about the what of curriculum, the theory, knowledge, structures of curriculum, but to also outline how this work can take place effectively in practice. We can sometimes focus too much on the what of our curriculum. That might be using knowledge organisers, retrieval practice or hinterland knowledge, etc. But we can sometimes falter in their implementation by not focusing enough on why we might implement, implement these strategies and really importantly, how to do this well. Now, if we don't focus enough on the how and why of our curriculum, we risk falling foul of lethal mutations. Lethal mutations are where good ideas, often grounded in research, can sometimes become mutated by poor implementation and become less effective or in the worst case can hinder learning. We risk this in our curriculum work if we just focus on what we are subject leaders to do. We shouldn't be asking for intent statements or complicated infographics or curriculum maps, but instead on how subject leaders can get to the heart of their subject and draw out a clear coherence and rationale that underpins the curriculum so this can guide decisions. Or perhaps looking at how to create coherence by identifying the conceptual connections across the curriculum, not as an infographic, but as an exercise in ensuring prior, current and future learning is connected so that pupils have strong conceptual architecture to build their understanding. So, If we can support subject leaders in how to design and deliver their curriculum, not through quick fixes, gimmicks or generic approach that lose sight of the subject, we can create the conditions for far more effective curriculum work. So to set about this process and think almost as a a series of starting points, as senior leaders and trust leaders, we need to think very carefully about how we're going to create the effective climate for really meaningful curriculum work to take place. We can't just do curriculum and say that that's what we do now and that's what we do here, but we have to actually breathe that through the series of policies and processes that we have at an operational level across the whole school to enable our teachers to spend their time in the most effective way carrying out fantastic curriculum development. So what does that look like? Well, effectively, a great starting point is really carrying out um, a series of litmus tests around the policies and the processes that we have at a whole school level and asking ourselves, is this likely to directly improve the education of the student? And when I say the education of the student, we're not just referring to educational outcomes and grades, but actually the student experience as a whole. 
But also, is this the most efficient approach in terms of staff workload? Now, the question to that, the answer to that second question may well be, well, no, this isn't the most effective approach and efficient approach at the moment. And that's absolutely fine if we're thinking about really meaningful curriculum work um, in regards to collaborative planning or um, our teams working together at a subject level that might actually increase their workload primarily. But in order to do that, in order to make room for that work to take place, we have to look at other aspects of operational level of schools for that work to take place. So if we're thinking about what that might look like on a practical level, there are a series of implications at whole school level um, around, um, yeah, exactly how that might look. So maybe a starting point as well is thinking about what can and can't be measured. And I think sometimes historically we have set about curriculum development by looking at um, or, or attempting to measure in quite a linear fashion aspects of curriculum work. Um, instead of focusing on the process, we focus on the outcomes. Um, and instead of being informed by the knowledge of the curriculums Claire referred to, the structures and the series of kind of threads and, and start and end points that we take students through during their educational journey, we tend to focus on that end point as, as um, somewhat of a holy grail. Instead of actually taking employees through um, the in adoration of the process of carrying out really fantastic curriculum development. Now, at a practical level, if we're thinking about in terms of where we might free up time for our, um, for our teachers to carry out curriculum development, it might be looking at whole school policies, so aspects of um, behaviour systems, um, administration, data analysis, and who carries out that work, and thinking about whether we're using our resource in the most effective way, so our teachers are able to think about teaching, talk about teaching, or um, teaching itself. It might be the fact that we have a look at our meeting schedule and the fluctuations of the calendar and how that impacts our curriculum work um, and it might also be thinking about when we're um, um, looking at a timetable or whole school level about whether that actually lends itself to this work and to the right people meeting at the right times to be able to have those conversations in the first place. So if we invest in supporting subject leaders and teachers to develop their subject knowledge and be explicit about what will be taught, we can begin to weave together the strands of substantive, disciplinary, procedural and hinterland knowledge to fully get to grips with our subjects in the classroom in a way that provides coherence, allows for meaningful assessment and importantly, inducts students into the scholarly pursuit of our subjects. To establish how this might look for our subject, we need to diagnose, dismantle and reassemble our curriculum, evaluating and refining to seek what fits, why here, why now, what makes sense and what jars. The process itself offers a way to shape and develop our subject specialists by focusing on what is being taught and then refining how this is taught in a way that best serves the subject. It's a move away from blanket pedagogical approaches and towards what teaching looks like for individual subjects, underpinned by research-informed practice, such as modelling, questioning and scaffolding, but implemented in a way that pays service to the discipline, rather than pursuing generic one-size-fits-all approaches that can only mangle the subject and undermine the curriculum. Once we begin to establish what this looks like for individual subjects, a sense of structure and coherence becomes easier to establish. And we can start to think about how best to sequence our curriculum so that by the time students reach certain endpoints, they have the knowledge and expertise to apply what they have learnt in a meaningful way that is as close as possible to the most scholarly practice for our discipline. As part of a coherent curriculum, we need to consider carefully the way this is sequenced. Sequencing is far more than just this follows this follows this. To create coherence, we need to look closer at the relationships and connections that make up the internal dynamics of our curriculum. Effective sequencing should provide narrative, should tell a story of our subject. It should be a conversation between its parts. And this sequencing is about embellishing and unifying what may otherwise seem like disconnected fragments of knowledge. This can be as simple as signposting statements. Where have we seen this before? How does this have a relationship with what has happened previously? How does our understanding of one concept act as a, a threshold for understanding the next? But to do this work and to provide this coherence, we need a clear framework for our subject and for those who teach it so that we can help students make strong schematic connections at every stage of the curriculum. So sitting quite tightly alongside that work around curriculum development needs to also be a really strong provision for our teachers and those delivering, um, planning, and really thinking quite carefully about the curriculum itself. 
Professional development has to feature alongside this work to ensure that we're utilising everybody within our subject teams so that we move away again from that holy grail of the curriculum being work um, being carried out by perhaps one or two selected members of staff. And it actually becomes a really um, important collaborative part of work in schools. Um, it means that we are making sure that we don't fall victim of the curse of the expert, that we don't necessarily just have those that have um, become accustomed to this is the way that it's always been done um, and carrying out that work in, in a, you know, perhaps historic fashion and maybe not necessarily being as open to, um, to evidence-informed approaches um, or you know, emerging research that comes through that helps to inform our practice. Um, but it also really utilises the knowledge, the really strong basis of knowledge that we have in our subject teams in schools, which is equally as important. And so if we think about what that might look like, it really is about going back to the subject knowledge and where we make time and space and scope for subject knowledge um, specific CPD to take place in schools. It really does remain the key driver of our curriculum. We can't just say that we're going to teach a particular text, particular aspect of a subject, particular formula. If we're not taking our teachers through the process of what that might look like and in ensuring that we're quite open and respectfully honest about discussing our knowledge gaps, we're never going to be masters of the entire of our subjects and that's quite a liberating and refreshing place to be. We also need to think very carefully about how our conversations and the discourse that we have around curriculum take place and what they might look like and how they seek to develop our staff um, along the way. And so by ensuring that process of collaboration and um, through the planning process, the plotting the beginnings of our curriculum development, as well as that ongoing evaluation um, and quite a, a kind of macro level of curriculum planning, pinpointing and refining all the way down to micro decisions that we make in the classroom um, as teachers with the students in front of us is a really important discussion to have as a, as a series of subject experts. By encouraging that really high quality discourse between um, subject teachers helps to build a series of mental models for those professionals so that essentially we're not just equipping ourselves in the day-to-day -day operation in the here and now, but we're actually equipping our curriculum designers of the future. Those novice teachers that are coming into the profession are being exposed to really meaningful, fundamental conversations that are going to equip them not only in the classroom in the here and now, but when they're starting to think about moving into middle and um, subject leader roles or senior leader roles in the future which is going to be incredibly important so the curriculum and our approach to professional development to support the curriculum becomes not just a sense of informing our curriculum and strengthening that process what it looks like in the here and now but actually almost as quite an important retention tool overall by ensuring that we're bringing our subject experts together and our novice, um, our novice teachers together to have these really important subject level conversations, we're countering, as I say, the curse of the expert, but we're actually strengthening not just the work that's taking place in one classroom, but actually all of our classrooms by having those discussions that really matter, those tiny and kind of micro discourse um, that then supports what our subject looks like in front of our students is fundamental to this work um, being actualised and being interpreted by the teacher itself. Thank you for taking the time to hear a little bit about our framework for curriculum and importantly how this can provide a model for people development. If you'd like to know more copies of Symbiosis are available at all good bookstores and discounted rates for bulk orders for schools are available through John Cat. You will also come across our work through the Teacher Development Trust new MPQs launching in September. Thanks a lot. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thanks, Kat and Claire. I really do think that hearing some background to the book from the authors before hearing from readers is really useful, and I'm so pleased that 9 out of 10 times the authors of the books featured on From Page to Practice are willing to do this. Our first reader contribution today comes from Tom. My name is Tom Mitre. I'm a secondary history teacher from Dorset and my main takeaways on symbiosis come from the perspective of not just a classroom teacher but also an NQT after what's been a very uh, interesting uh, NQT year. I've, and I've realised I've just I've used the phrase just a classroom practitioner, just a classroom teacher, which is a really bad phrase to use. 
uh, Cat Howard and Claire Hill point that out in in their book that it's a bad phrase to use because, of course, the classroom teacher is essential to a strong curriculum. It shouldn't be a top-down curriculum. It should be one which is uh, discussed and created by the people who will deliver it, who will translate, as Howard and, and Hill put it, translate to the students. Now, as an NQT, while I don't have as much experience as my colleagues, I felt very confident engaging in department discussions about the curriculum um, because as a trainee teacher, it was made very, very clear to me that while subject knowledge is essential to strong teaching, curriculum knowledge is just as important. So therefore, this year, uh, when as a department we talk about the curriculum several times a week, uh, it's therefore been really great for me to be able to confidently shape the history curriculum in our school, whether it's when it's best to interleave certain knowledge for our key stage four and five students, or whether it's uh, about uh, the best retrieval practice techniques for, for the key stage three students, um, all the types of assessment that are most effective for measuring uh, progress. It's been really great to be part of those discussions and be seen as a member of staff who is able to confidently take part in those discussions. One thing that I was really interested in uh, that Howard and Hill write about is the role of the department to make sure that every teacher uh, not only is expected to have good curriculum knowledge, but is able to partake in the discussions. And I think that's really important. A large part of my job satisfaction is the fact that my ideas uh, and opinions about the curriculum and, and where it should go uh, are respected and taken on board. Now, when um, Howard and Hill talk about translating the curriculum to our students. Of course, they talk about this in several different ways and the uh, end part of their book is broken down to different uh, sections. From my experience, one thing that's been particularly interesting, if we take the translating the curriculum in perhaps more of a literal sense, has been talking about the history of curriculum to students. Now, in each of our classrooms uh, in the history department, we have a roadmap of the curriculum, which is a very popular way at the moment of uh, displaying the curriculum of different subjects across schools uh, in this country. And I found it particularly interesting that students will often ask me questions about it. Uh, even if it's completely off topic, they might ask me something about uh, the French Revolution, because that's now in our year eight curriculum. It didn't used to be. So students in the older year groups are a bit puzzled as to why we teach French Revolution to year eight when they didn't learn it. And it means that at the end of the lesson, we can have a brief discussion about why that is. And often the students are very, very interested in why we decide to teach French Revolution Year 8 and perhaps a little bit annoyed that they missed out. Uh, but it's it's really, really good to have these discussions with students because then students are engaged in the curriculum because they're the ones who have to sit through the curriculum. They, you know, they have to progress through it. Uh, and therefore, their responses to a curriculum roadmap is really, really interesting and is perhaps a literal translation of the curriculum to our students. Uh, now, as an NQT, one of the most important aspects of this book for me has been when Howard and Hill talk about uh, teachers being able to have confidence in their curriculum knowledge and the need for schools to ensure that there is good CPD to enable teachers to have that confidence because debates in curriculum are always changing based on the latest research, um, but also for subjects such as history, uh, the changing national and political debate. So therefore, I do think it's really important that schools are able to find the money to fund teachers to go to different conferences, uh, to have time out of the classroom to really get uh, to grips with current debates in the curriculum and then to be able to plan and adapt their curriculum in response to those. I think that's really, really important. And I hope that is the direction going forward that we're not going to have uh, lots of top-down curriculum planning, but curriculum planning that is uh, hugely influenced by classroom teachers based on really good CPD that helps teachers, especially teachers that are early in their careers, like myself, find confidence in discussing the curriculum and sharing ideas. A significant part of my job satisfaction comes from being valued as a member of the team uh, and being able to help shape a curriculum. And therefore, uh, Symbiosis for me will be a book that I'll return to often, definitely recommend to others. And for any uh, trainee teachers or NQTs listening who haven't read the book, I would strongly, 
strongly uh, recommend it. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thank you, Tom. A really key takeaway that you focused on there and food for thought for school leaders when it comes to supporting their staff to feel satisfied in their jobs. Next, we hear from James. Hello, my name is James Manwaring and I am Director of Music for Windsor Learning Partnership. And uh, day to day, I'm based at uh, the Windsor Boys School, but I also get the pleasure of working across a number of schools in Windsor. I am on Twitter at JP Manwaring, and uh, I also write a music education blog, manwearingmusic.blog. I'm here today to talk about a fantastic uh, book that I read actually over the uh, Easter holiday. It's called Symbiosis The Curriculum and the Classroom by Kat Howard and Claire Hill. And uh, when, I, when I got this book, I thought, right, I need to refresh my curriculum, but I also need to refresh my knowledge about you know, what a curriculum is, the intentions behind it, the purposes behind it. Um, and I, I kind of went into reading it, wanting to just find out everything I needed to know about curriculum, um, but also get some ideas and some inspiration. And I can't tell you how much I enjoyed reading it, and I've actually read it twice um, because it is packed full of so, just so much rich, helpful um, advice. And I think what struck me initially when reading it was that it wasn't at all um, over the top or it, or kind of difficult to understand. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you get a book and you you wonder whether or not you're going to be able to get through it or are you going to put it down and need to have a week off because it's just full of so much heavy material. This this book is so easy to read and it's so well written, but yet that doesn't take away from the fact that the, the stuff in it is just fantastic. So um, I'm, I hope I'm, I'm, I'm selling it to you in the right way there of saying that what you'll get when reading this book is a, a, a nice, enjoyable reading experience, but you won't feel shortchanged in terms of, of knowledge. Um, and so I, I came to this book because I'm looking at my curriculum, um, not just thinking about what the topics I teach or, or the types of music I teach or the things that we're going to listen to in a lesson, but actually I'm looking at my curriculum saying, what is it? Why do we have it? What's the sequence? How can we ensure that students are developing across all age ranges and I, I work across um, kind of year one right up to year 13 and and I really found that I got some of the answers to that about how do I approach rethinking um, curriculum what is it how do I shape it um, chapter three in particular um, and I've got it here in my hand I even like the size of the book because I kind of carry it around with me at the moment um, the, the chapter uh, three which is on curriculum knowledge just really helped me to understand um you know, what a curriculum is and the different types of knowledge that go into it. Um, and I just found that so helpful, um, just understanding the kind of, you know, the difference between procedural knowledge, um, the difference between disciplinary knowledge. And it just really gave me a chance to, to think about what I'm teaching students and what knowledge I'm imparting to them. Um, and what I love is in every chapter, there are kind of three or four bullet points at the end of each section, which give you some questions. And I've actually been typing those questions out so I can just read those. Um, and that was really helpful. And then that moves on to the idea of curriculum sequencing um, and kind of how you organise your curriculum coherently and and connect things together and 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 that was just a, a fantastic chapter for thinking about that and sometimes in music that can be quite tricky I'm sure in other subjects as well think about right what are we going to do um, and also how are we going to look back at stuff we've done before um, and so I found that really helpful and just and, and what's lovely is it's got lots of research in it lots of um, in-depth examples um, and, and that's brilliant you want to read um, a, about how this has been impacting um, other teachers um, and, and not just read stuff that you think, well, okay, will that work? Um, and then um, particularly chapter eight, um, I really enjoyed. And this is something that I, I, a quick thing that I've done just this last um, week or so in my lessons is thinking about the questions that I ask. Um, and there's a, a wonderful bit, it's on page 106, about inquiry questions, you know, and, and actually thinking about how we present um, our, our curriculum to our students through our questioning. Um you know, it says inquiry questions offer strategic direction within and across lessons, avoiding fragmentation of knowledge. And I've I've just found that so helpful thinking about questions that are going to last for a whole scheme of work, but also 
how they can be relevant in, in just one lesson. And, and I found that really useful. So, um, you know, as a music teacher, I've had a chance to be looking at my, my practice, looking at my curriculum. It's a long journey. I, I haven't got all the answers yet, but getting this book and reading it and then reading it again has certainly helped me on that journey. And I can't recommend it enough to you. And I, and don't be put off by the thought of, um, you know, the, the, the word curriculum and, and looking at that, because it's actually such an enjoyable thing to think about what we teach, to, to take time to go, right, what is it that I'm doing in this classroom? And, and as a teacher, I've been teaching for 17 or 18 years now. Um, and I'm always learning, I'm always wanting to grow, and I'm always wanting to develop. And, and that's the same for our students. And I, I guess I now want my curriculum to be just that. So Symbiosis, the curriculum in the classroom, uh, fantastic book, and uh, I'm not done with it yet. And I know that I won't be done with it probably in a year's time, and I'll keep coming back to it. And uh, I'm so grateful to the authors uh, for sharing um, their knowledge in such an easy to read um, but yet such a, a strong and powerful way. I hope you enjoy reading it. Grab yourself a copy um, and uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed at all. Thanks very much. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Thank you, James. You make your feelings towards this book very clear and I'm certain there'll be a few more copies sold off of the back of your recommendation. Next up, we're hearing from Mary. Hello, my name's Mary Hindportley and my Twitter handle is at Let's Live a Bird. The book I'm talking about today is Symbiosis by Kat Howard and Claire Hill. This book is an essential handbook for teachers and leaders and anyone at any level in the profession. It's the one book I keep on my desk at home and also would like a second copy for keeping at work. I've recently used it as part of a successful interview preparation and found it really invaluable. The book's 176 pages and in those pages, the authors provide a thorough overview of evidence-informed practice. Anything we're thinking about at the moment has a section in here. But that doesn't mean that it's surface or simplistic. The authors look at the research and enable us to understand it through very clear and comprehensive summaries and examples from their own practice and from other people's practice. I think it shows us how using research can underpin our own planning and our own practice at any level in the classroom and the school from somebody who's looking at how they can use modelling to develop a more effective writing in a subject to somebody who wants to look at modelling as a strategy across the whole school. When I first got the book, I sat and glanced through it and looked at the kind of things that I would want to explore. Then I sat and read it through in several sittings, taking time to highlight the sections and folding down pages. That might leave some readers aghast. But then to me, it felt like the book was mine and that I, when I'm looking for something, I know where to go with it. And you'll find that there's something to highlight on every page. The breadth of the book and its chapter sequencing supports the reader in placing their thinking in a much wider context. So it shows us, as an individual teacher, how our classroom practice can support whole school approaches or develop and strengthen links formally or informally as part of a professional learning community. For example, two to three teachers working together in a department or a couple of teachers maybe working across departments on, a, on an aspect of the curriculum. Referred to writing earlier, so it would support perhaps uh, English teachers working with humanities teachers on how to improve disciplinary writing in their subjects by looking at the processes underpinning and supporting writing itself. The quality of references and the breadth of research that the authors have read helps us because, as busy practitioners because it gives us a guide to what we can look at in order to understand what the authors have summarised for us in more detail. It can also help us to go down the rabbit holes which are profitable rather than the ones that aren't. The book is really supportive of schools that want to advance their practice either at the beginning of a journey in using um, becoming evidence-informed or partway through that journey. The book is particularly useful supporting leaders and practitioners who want to develop the knowledge and practice of their teams. Perhaps you might be working with a group of um, early career teachers or looking at something in the department. It clearly sets out the, what the researchers looked at. It talks about how this looks in a classroom and gives clear arguments and reasons as to why this is a good thing for students and for teachers. 
So there's a clear rationale in each one for why you might want to do this. And it's rooted in the author's practice themselves and also the people who they've talked to about what works in the classroom. So, for example, you might want to look at the usefulness of workbooks in a knowledge-rich curriculum. You might want to look at curriculum sequencing. For me, the section that I found most useful as an individual, as a classroom teacher in thinking about developing my own practice on, in an ongoing way, but also because I was working with a number of early career teachers, was section 3, pages 91 to 135. I think this is essential reading for classroom teachers and those supporting them, as it clearly articulates the, the core practices of an effective classroom. One particular area that I'm interested in is modelling, and the section goes through modelling in lots of detail and breaks it down into not just modelling, but live modelling, prepared modelling, and all prepared examples, and also how we might use backwards fading. So rather than someone just saying to you I'd like you to develop your modelling without much guidance this chapter helps you to think about which aspects of the process uh, would I want to focus on which is the bit which I can refine and make better which is the bit that I feel less secure about so I found this really useful and I've shared it with a number of colleagues who are working on this aspect of their practice the book is so much more than just one section though and it's brilliant because you can dip into it, you can read it cover to cover, and it makes you think about what you want to do in the classroom. And it's an excellent support for your own CPD. I highly recommend this book, and I think that every department should have one. And I think department leaders should buy them for their staff. I've really enjoyed reading it, and I'm looking forward to more work by these two authors. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thank you, Mary. It's really clear how this book has motivated you and why you think it's essential reading for teachers and leaders. Next up, we're going to hear from Alex. Hi, everyone. It's great to be back on From Page to Practice, speaking this week about Symbiosis, the Curriculum in the Classroom by Kat Howard and Claire Hill. Firstly, my name is Alex Gordon. I'm the teaching and learning lead at a school in North East London. I read this book uh, a few months ago when it initially came out. And the reason why I bought it is that I was looking for a, a book about the curriculum that brought together all the different strands um, of thought. And obviously curriculum is something we grasp with every day in school, whether from a leadership level or from a teacher level in the classroom. Um, and for me, when I did my research and did a bit of reading, there's so much out there to think about for a curriculum. I'd yet to really find a, a book that I really engage with in terms of putting it all together in one uh, place to read. And it's a book that you can dip back into at different times. It's a book that you can start with certain sections um, and not read it in a coherent order as well. Uh, and it's a book that has had massive influence on my practice ever since. Now, for me, the, the two sections that had real impacts on my practice was section two, which looked at the subject level, shaping the curriculum, and also section three, which was more about in the classroom as uh, custodians of the curriculum. Now, section two, for me, shaping the curriculum was very important in links to my current role uh, in a whole school setting and working with our subject leads um, at the moment. We have actually uh, purchased Symbiosis for all of our heads of department in school, and it's going to play a leading role in our middle leaders uh, and subject lead programme from next year. And we're going to ask subject leads to read different sections of the book um, and come to our meetings ready to discuss different ideas linked to the book and also their own curriculum as well. I think the book does a really, really great job of presenting the research, presenting the background behind each part of the curriculum, but also poses a series of thought-provoking and really interesting questions. So when you finish reading the book, you've really got some questions to take away with you and to apply to your own curriculum to think about as well. Now, for me, the curriculum, when I think about it, I, I very much uh, take the line that I know a number of people line have, have spoken about before, about how the curriculum is a box set and each kind of unit or work is like episodes leading up to an end point uh, within this box set. 
Uh, and I think symbiosis does a, does a really good job at breaking this down. It breaks down the dichotomy between knowledge and skills. It speaks about the traditions of different subjects and the heritage and what to kind of include in the curriculum. Also does a really interesting job, job talking about articulation of the curriculum, which I think is saying as a school we're really working on at the moment to ensure that not only our heads of department and, and senior leaders can articulate the curriculum from a whole school level and a subject level, but also our, our teachers as well can describe and articulate our intents and what you want to do with the school. It then does a great job looking at curriculum knowledge and breaking down the different parts of knowledge links of the curriculum, which I think you're saying as well that um, teachers in our school especially, we can talk about and discuss further. Sequencing again is a really important part. And for me as a, as a new line manager in my role, I found it really interesting to think about the differences between different subjects and different knowledge structures at play and how the knowledge structures that might exist in different subjects impact the sort of uh, curriculum that they can put in place uh, in their work as well. And also alongside that, we're working quite hard at the moment on cross-curricular ap approach in our school. And this book very much helped me with that also. Our big number one priority um, for the next academic year really is looking at assessments. Um, and I think this book does a great job talking about how if the curriculum is a model of progression, we should then distance ourselves from throwaway termly assessments and treating schemes of work as a block of learning when in actual fact we should be assessing throughout. Um, and this is something that I've spoke to a lot of teachers at our school about within our CPD structures about having, a, say, a 12-week scheme of work. We don't wait to the, to the end to assess students. We're consistently assessing them throughout. And we're not just assessing them in, say, two or three lessons blocks. We are continually going back and reflecting and recalling knowledge from the start of the course. And as we get to the end, we're building up that, that strength in our memory as well. And I think that the book does a great job talking about that also. Section three, again, talks about the idea of in the classroom, reclaiming the role of the teacher. And for me, I think it's really important in our school setting um, that when we talk about curriculum and we talk about pathways and progress, that we don't just treat curriculum as something that heads department and senior leaders should be knowledgeable with. But we also ensure we try to educate and develop teachers right from their first year in NQT about the nature of curriculum. And something new I've added this year to our existing frameworks is an introduction to the curriculum sessions for our newest teachers within the school. Because I think curriculum as a discussion should be for all teachers throughout the school. The, one of the big reasons why we, we choose to be teachers and to teach the subjects we feel most passionate about is because I love for the subject and I love for the curriculum. And the curriculum is always going to be a um, long journey. It won't ever be perfect at any one point. But in some ways, that's what makes it interesting and so um, so much of a hook, really, for us to go back to and continue reassess and look for areas to improve and areas to develop as well. I think it's really important as well that when we, we read the book, it didn't take a, a strict offset stance of intent, implementation, impact. Actually, it did a lot more than that. Um, and I think the structure of the book is great. And as I said at the start, it really brings together all strands, whether it's speaking about, for example, the power of workbooks, um, whether it talks alongside that about multiple choice questions, anything you can think about that could link to a curriculum is somewhere in this book. Um, and for me, it's a must read for, for all teachers and hence why we've bought this for our heads of department, our middle leaders to read as part of our training programmes um, next year as well. The final thing I'll really say is that alongside our existing kind of um, training pathways to middle leaders, um, I use the information in the book to write my own summary for certain areas as well. And I'll share this on Twitter when this uh, podcast goes live as well. Um, and alongside that kind of summary in a Word document, I then transferred that into a PowerPoint document, which is a really clear um, sequence of what our middle leads and heads of department should think about when it comes to uh, their curriculum and putting it together. Um, and the PowerPoint goes from establishing and sharing the whole school curriculum intent again to thinking about the department intent um, after that, to then thinking about the knowledge, the concepts, the skills that underpin our curriculum thinking about sequencing, progression, and the placement of certain parts of our curriculum as well. Then we break down to year group overviews, and then we look at the scheme of work. So very much for me, it's kind of this big approach, and we can see narrow it down in our thought process, our planning, and our thinking. And without this book being written, really, I wouldn't really have a framework to put together my summaries, to implement this into our training programmes, and to speak to leads and heads of department as well. Um, and... For me, the final thing really is that 
I'm currently sitting at my desk in school and the book is always alongside me when I'm in school. And it's always a reference point for me when I think about curriculum and I think about discussions I have with leaders in school. Um, it's a really powerful, really engaging, uh, a really amazing book to read. And as I said before, I can't recommend this book highly enough, um, not just for senior leaders or middle leaders, but for all teachers at any stage of their progression. Thank you for listening. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thanks for coming back to From Page to Practice, Alex. It's really interesting to hear how you've implemented this book on a whole school level. It's very generous of you to share the resource that you've created too, so thank you for that. We're finally going to hear from two people who have firmly become a regular feature of this podcast to the point that I don't even feel the need to introduce them right now. I think you know who's next. Hi there, I'm Dave Touchingham and I'm a lead practitioner in a school in Bristol. Hi, my name's Rhiannon Rainbow and I'm School Improvement Lead Maths for the Greenshaw Learning Trust. And today we're going to talk briefly about the book Symbiosis, uh, the curriculum and the classroom from Kat Howard and Kate, uh, Claire Hill. And, uh, and something which really stood out in this book for me was the, um, the idea of uh, within our own subject of mathematics and the idea of mathematics mastery. Um, and, and the journey that um, the curriculum is going on within our subject, um, where we're looking at using a lot less um, in terms of topics, in terms of um, curriculum knowledge, maybe that substantive knowledge, that body of facts, um, and how we're looking more um, at trying to build the coherence and the connections and how we interpret that through that journey. Um, and so that sort of balance is starting to shift, I think, um, but the core elements of what makes a good curriculum, I think, um, still stand true. Um, and uh, and so so when when thinking about how that's designed, um, there was a particular part of the book which then talked about hinterland knowledge and, and embellishment um, within some of the the curriculum um, content. And and the usage of stories really struck me, and, and what that means in mathematics for students really being able to to link their experiences and and to to deepen their understanding through. Um, through the, the, the power of stories. Um, and it made me think about the balance of that. So, so I'm thinking now back to um, another book that I read from Craig Barson um, around an example um, that he taught, um, and a lesson he taught on, on um, I forget what it was, but it was about biscuits. And I think that makes the point. Because um, when it came to um, year 11s, he, he talked to, to students and said, um, sort of how, how he found the lessons and they would talk to him about how they really enjoyed this lesson on biscuits. And when he said, what have you learned? They couldn't remember anything about the mathematics. They just remembered it was about biscuits. Um, and it's, so it's about that sort of balance between um, having, having that sort of hinterland knowledge and, and promoting and, and, uh, and using the power of stories to, to help them, students to understand uh, more deeply the concepts that they're being taught through the coherence and the connections that they will be making but also to make sure that story is not distracting, that story um, supports and enables that process. Yeah, it's making sure that the hinterland knowledge is considered and that the, the, the way it's used to elaborate and embellish and frame the core knowledge supports it and provides texture. But as you say, it's not a distraction. That isn't the thing they take away, but what they're able to attach the knowledge Two, to help them to remember it better and just to put it into perspective and a little bit more and just to help them understand what's going on that little bit more. And I think with a subject like mathematics, it's all too easy to forget how important that is as well, that it's not just that piece of knowledge. It's not just that skill and technique that we're trying to share with them but that hinterland knowledge as well and how important that is. But as you say, that balance you need to be very careful and considered about. I think so. And, um, and, and it's, um, it's such a, a sort of an important conversation to have. But the book, um, I think, really breaks it down in a way that's um, really easy to follow and easy to read and easy to understand. Um, but these these sort of concepts, these ideas around the curriculum um, are quite complex decisions that are being made. And um, and it's, it's not an easy um, journey to go through that sequencing. And so um, so to, to have a book like that by your side, just to be able to read, to remind yourselves of some of the fundamentals of what makes a good curriculum, I think is um, a really powerful thing to have by your side to do that. 
Um, I, I noticed also um, within the book um, the sort of the richness um, of, of what's being talked about. And, um, and I'm, I don't know whether this is uh, brave or a little bit silly to say, but, um, but I, I, I sort of really reflected on, um, on the use of assessments within the book and how my sort of go-to when I'm thinking of curriculum is the, that the curriculum is about the content and it's about the sequencing, but the idea that the assessments and, and how you identify misconceptions and, and how you do this in a really granular way um, that wasn't something that I'd really sort of considered as something that would be in a book about curriculum necessarily. I would I'd sort of see that almost um, isolated and, and sort of reading this book has just really sort of refreshed my memory, reminded me about the, um, the sort of the, the interlinking um, sort of the parts of, of a curriculum and, and how it all fits together at that puzzle. It's, um, yeah, it really, it really made me reflect on my understanding, my depth of understanding of what a good curriculum really, really looks like. Absolutely. And that the assessment isn't just a bolt on, that it's a Mm. well considered part of the construction of the entire curriculum. And actually, we have teaching and learning and curriculum and assessment, but they are not silos. They are all interwoven and they all interconnect. And if we can just take that on board a little bit more. I've fallen foul of that one. I know I, I tend to quite like to compartmentalize things, but this this doesn't work that tidily and it shouldn't. It should actually be, I don't know, a little bit messy, you know, to, to really get involved with it, to really think about it at a deeper level. I think we've got to be brave and get messy and try something a little different to then come out of it on the other side with something stronger and something better. So we're going to be good. I'm I'm quite daunted about it, but it's a really important part of the process. I'm going to be looking now at our shared maths curriculum across the trust through a new lens of, okay, we've got a curriculum there, but have we linked things? There isn't a lot of hinterland knowledge in there that's explicitly stated. And one of the curriculum leads in another school has said, actually, I think we need to add this. He's got a totally valid point with that. You know, we need to consider where that comes in as well. Let's have a refresh and a rethink about the assessments we're using and what we're using and how we're using it. But also, let's have a look at the threshold concepts, you know, those really important aspects. And I think one of the a really good starting point for that and a prompt for that for me is the key stage one, two progression guidance that came out last year. Because that's guidance, it's well-researched, it takes you through from year one to year six, It isn't tied in with the national curriculum. It's based around the maths. So what would you expect each, what would you expect students to be able to do in order to progress onto the next year of their mathematics? So if our curriculum can look at that and then look at how we build on from that into secondary, it's not going to be a quick thing, but I think it's going to be so very, very important. And going through this book and thinking and reflecting has just made me even more passionate about doing that. And what I really like about it is that it gives a a common framework and vocabulary to use to help to articulate what it is that we want to say to one another. So there is greater clarity when we're talking, we know when I'm going to be talking to the group that are going to be working on this, because it's not just me. I do not have the ideas. Oh my goodness, no, I don't have the expertise. But having diverse thinking around a table, if we can base it around the same um the same definitions uh that they talk about in this book that Claire and Kat have so carefully constructed and scaffolded for us, I think we're on to a winner. It's not going to be quick, but it shouldn't be, because it needs to be good. Uh, yeah, absolutely agree. And uh, and I think just the, the final point for me, just coming back to um, what we talked about before, about how this book really sits alongside what, what we do and, and really supports us in some of those decisions we make, um, is the actual sequencing within the book as well. So uh, so when you look at the um, the way the book's written, it's starting with um, shaping the curriculum um, and the, the conditions for creating a, a, condi- um, a curriculum and the rationale before looking at the sequencing and the knowledge um, and then the assessment and the instruments we might use, um, the role of memory, explicit instruction, following on from that, the sequencing of the book as well, um, just really sort of um, epitomises what that book is all about. So, so yeah, just really enjoyed reading that and uh, I feel like we got loads from that today.
It was it was cracking. And for anybody who wants like a, an introduction to it as well, there's a cracking Seneca course that they've put together for it, free CPD for teachers. And that helps to give you like a, an overview. So then it helps to frame the book and to help explain the narrative in it as well to build on it. So if we're thinking about cognitive load theory, like they do in the book, you can expose yourself initially to the, the concepts and the ideas in the Seneca course. And then you'll get so much more potentially from reading the book as well for those who like to engage with sources in different ways. Because I know you and I work differently in how we, we're looking at text. But then when we come together and the richness that adds to the discussion, it's really, really helpful. That's brilliant. I'm going to finish just with a quote from the book. This just really for me. Um, I won't talk lots about it. I'll just read it because I think it just says everything that it needs to say. Um, but it really sort of stood out and resonated with me uh, within my subject and what I need to be thinking about. Um, and it said, however, a focus on disciplinary knowledge in mathematics, which asks students to attempt to design their own models, is unlikely to be effective as they simply do not have the epistemic or schematic framework for this to be a fruitful pursuit. And it's just really molded and, and changed what I think about um, how, how teaching mathematics may look. And, and this, this made, me, made me question some of the, um, the practices that I, that I engage with. And it's just, um, yeah, it's just a really sort of well-written, um, positively thought-provoking book and, and really enjoy going through that today. They're an absolutely cracking book. So much to take away from it and to think about and reflect upon. And I know it's going to be very, very useful for me and the team. And I can't wait to hear from them later in the year at Book Club as well. That's going to be amazing. That'll be brilliant. Thank you very much, uh, Ria. It's lovely to, to chat with you again on that. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Dave. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thank you again, Dave and Rhiannon. I enjoy the interaction of this kind of pair recording, so if anyone else is interested, then please let me know. It's fairly easy to set up, and it might be a great way to get involved if you don't want to go it alone. Next episode is Teaching Rebooted, and as of yet, I don't have any readers lined up, so please do get in touch to be involved. It's quick and easy, and as you know, really appreciated by listeners. Thanks again for listening and please do subscribe, share with colleagues and consider posting a review on iTunes or visiting my Buy Me A Coffee page. Your words really do mean a lot and I recently collated them to take to an interview which was really, really useful. Bye for now. You've been listening to From Page to Practice. Don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Alternatively, to suggest a book or article or volunteer to contribute to an episode, visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash page practice podcast. Thanks go to Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com for use of the tracks Cheery Monday and Fuzzball Parade, which are licensed under Creative Commons. <laughs>